Super Talk Mississippi media production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty from the First Bank Studio here in Hattiesburg. Luke Johnson will be joining me a little later in the program. And it's a full program to bring to you today. The great Derek Nix is going to be on the show. We're going to be talking to Gerald Wade from over in Jones County later in the program about a most unusual situation that occurred with he and his family last week. Derek Nix, of course, uh, the great running back from Southern Miss, now at Ole Miss, going to be talking about uh, a kid they expect to get drafted tonight and, of course, his great career here. Opening segment sponsored by Dickey's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of the Eagle Hour. Hope that you'll do business with Dickey's. They're open seven days a week. They're serving their great food through the drive through window. Also, they can arrange to have the food delivered right to your home. The uh, restaurant itself is not open for inside dining, of course, but they're serving up that great food every day. And we strongly urge you and ask you to support Dickie's Barbecue Pit through this difficult time. Thursday, of course, that means we go to the, uh, well, we used to go to the Gulf Coast. Now we go to New Orleans, but that's where we know we can find our good buddy Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun-Herald. And the greetings uh, from the Big Easy to you, Patrick. Hey, guy, how are you doing? Well, we're good. Uh, you know, another day, they all kind of run into one another these days, don't they? <laughs> yeah, Thursday feels like Sunday, or Tuesday feels like Wednesday. It's all just kind of a blur at this point. Yeah, well, you're right. Well, there's one good thing tonight, Patrick, and I know you, like uh, Luke and I and Kelly, have been waiting on this now for a few weeks. The NFL draft is just a few hours away, and that, of course, is the biggest day in the lives of many young men uh, that play college football Southern Miss fans will be waiting to hear the name of Quez Watkins, uh, the wide receiver who left a year early uh, to uh, enter the NFL draft. So when we get this thing kicked off tonight, when do you expect to hear his name, and how do you evaluate his prospects as a professional football player? Yeah, uh, Quez is one of those guys that's kind of a tweener. You know, you're either going to love him for what he has to offer, or you're going to find weaknesses in his game in terms of uh, maybe they think he's not quite strong enough to, to work on the inside or play all positions at receiver uh, for whoever needs him. But then again, you look at his 40 time at the NFL Combine, he instantly fall in love. And he's got good sizes, 6'1", you know, 195 pounds, 200 pounds, and he plays bigger than 6'1 height. So uh, I think we can see he's one of those guys that could you know, fall anywhere or, or drop anywhere from the third to uh, to the seventh, the free agency. It's it's one of those things where you want to see in the minds of these NFL GMs. And I think we've heard a little bit less chatter on guys maybe going midway through the round uh, through the draft or later, just because of the situation we're in at the moment. A little bit less access to the players themselves and to uh, a, a general management. So it's it's not easy to project uh, for somebody like a Quez Watkins where he's going to go. So I think it's kind of a mystery going in. Obviously, he's got the speed and and the good size, and he. he, he proven year by year that he can really catch the ball. So he's an NFL prospect. He's going to get a good shot. But if I had to say where he would go, I'd say in the fifth or sixth round. Yeah, one thing we heard uh, earlier this week that might be a negative for him is the fact that the draft is really deep with uh, big-name 
uh, high right. quality whiteouts. You agree with that? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of one of those. That's why I kind of want the same thing. <laughs> Get a receiver just because how many quality options are out there. Uh, it's just it's one of those years. You know, Alabama just turned out a bunch of guys this year, and, and just receivers across the board. It's going to be really tough to go high. Uh, so yeah, I, I think fifth to the seventh are, are the most likely uh, destinations for Quez if he is if he is picked. Now, this is going to be different tonight in the respect they're not going to be fans. You know, it's pretty raucous most of the times when you see the NFL mm-hmm. draft. And really, the fans are, are part of the fun of watching it, you know, when they boo guys they don't like their team getting and boo the opponents when they come up to draft. But tonight's going to be real different, Patrick. What do you expect to see? Actually, I, I, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I mean, it's, it's always a distraction how the fans react, and sometimes fairly, sometimes unfairly. So, uh, I'm kind of a football nerd, so I, you know, I'll kind of enjoy just sitting back and probably hear the discussion going on, going on among the experts and, and seeing what they have to say. Uh, I, you know, it'll be interesting. This is one of those things that's kind of built for this age. Uh, you don't have, you're not going to have a bunch of people crammed into an area. This is something you can do easily without a crowd. So I, I think we expect it to be fairly entertaining, but yeah, you want to have as much drama with, you know, putting guys on stage and seeing tears shed. I'm sure they'll have some cameras in home. Uh, with some of the prospects, so we'll get that a little bit of reaction from it. So mm-hmm. I expect it to be entertaining, and like I said, I think it's probably going to be the, the most watched NFL draft in the history of NFL draft, just because uh, people want some type of distraction for two or three days. Right. All right. So Joe Burrow and Chase Young expected to be the first two drafted by the Bengals and the Redskins. You think that is? Are those two young men representing what are the best offensive and defensive players on the board this year? Yeah, I mean, Joe Burrow is just so hard to, you know, I, I think if he hadn't come on mind that, that somebody uh, there, you know, the Bengals might would actually take a chance on Tua, uh, even though he's banged up coming in, not, you know, a little bit of question mark on his health. But uh, Burrow made an easy choice. Uh, and for the, the Redskins to sit there, they've got to add something to uh, make that offense more dynamic or, or whatever. So I, I, I think those two make sense, yes. And. You know, you when you when you look at kids uh, like like a Joe Burrow, great college career, great particularly great last year. But there's a learning curve, and uh, how how big a disadvantage is it to this kid to go to a team like Cincinnati? When I ask you that, I guess what I'm asking is, when did how long do you think it'll take uh, for this young man to to really make an impact with that club? No, I think we'll probably see a year where he struggles, and we'll see glimpses. But I think by year two, he'll be online. I mean, he's so. Uh, mature for a quarterback coming in. Uh, everything that he was able, he was able to work under a really good offensive coordinator with Brady. He's now those see with the the Panthers uh, this season. So I, I think he'll he'll adjust pretty quickly. Uh, I, I think you know that head coach there for the Bengals, who was with the Rams. I think maybe with Burrow there, they'll build the offense kind of similar like they did uh, around Jared Goff there with the Rams. So I, I think uh, this is a good fit for him. But it's probably going to be he's probably a good twenty games away from. Uh, uh, being kind of a, one of those guys that can be a Pro Bowl quality quarterback, right? And, and there is, you know, Dal- Andy Dalton is a real veteran quarterback on that mm-hmm. team, so that's probably a pretty good situation for a kid to go. I remember Brett Favre famously said it wasn't his job to train the next quarterback, but presuming that the quarterback in Cincinnati doesn't take that approach, I, I would think that's a probably a, a pretty good tutor for this kid to learn from. Yeah, and Dalton's not the huge ego guy, you know. Right. I, I would expect Dalton to kind of get in there and help him. I don't, I don't see why not. Uh, so I, I think that yeah, it's, it, you could be in t- worse situations going into a, 
I think that's you know, the Bengals. You guys have a guy there in place who can kind of help kind of smooth the process. And he's going to be working in, under an offensive-minded head coach. So all things considered, even though the Bengals are, are, a, are pretty much a struggle right now, I, I think it's going to be uh, not a bad situation. All right, and of course, so we have the New Orleans Saints, one of the best teams in the league, probably one of the top three or four teams in all of football right now. Uh, their need, you expressed last week, uh, was wide receiver. You felt they don't really have a lot of draft choices, though, right? This won't be a really huge deal for them. No, they've done some shuffling around and, and given up some draft picks to, uh, here in recent years. So uh, they're going to have to make a count. They've done it. Uh, you know, not have going in with a, you know, a lot of draft selections. They've really kind of made those picks count in recent years. So I expect the Saints to really kind of build what they've done, do what they've done in recent years, is evaluate players really well and go out and find them and draft them. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I still want to see them draft a receiver here, uh, but there's some you know, talk of them going ahead and drafting a quarterback like a Jordan Love out of Utah State, mm-hmm. uh, who I'm not at, you know, at this point, I can't really. You know, I, I'm a little bit of a skeptic on him. He hasn't really shown he can throw the ball down the field, but uh, I think going in, the Saints will, will 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 conduct this draft as if they're filling spots that they need to fill to better their chances of winning a Super Bowl this year. Correct. Because what's the point of looking to the future when you know this is probably uh, your your best chance? Is Drew Brees one last year probably uh, build around him and, and give him every opportunity to succeed? and put another receiver in any place. Well, and and no matter who you draft a quarterback, he's not going to be Drew Brees, right? <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's going to be an impossible situation forever. Uh, replaces Drew Brees, Teddy Bridgewater, I think, could have been there if he'd hung around for another year. But you understand perfectly why he decided to go ahead and jump to the Panthers. So it's going to be a difficult situation. And, and I, I know the opinion of Lowe is probably not the right fit. Right, just 30 seconds left, but Gronk now – uh, Gronkowski going to be a going to be uh, in Tampa with Brady. Boy, it's going to be interesting this year in that division, huh? Yeah, and, and Gronk, right before he kind of stepped away, he was really kind of uh, dealing with a lot of injuries, kind of falling apart week by week. Uh, you know, maybe a year off makes him healthy. Uh, I'm sure he's physically fit, able to come in there. But I, you know, I mean, I I can't imagine he's the same Gronk he was six years ago, six five years ago. Uh, so I, I, I just think he's going to be another tight end. He'll he'll be somebody that Tom Brady uh, knows and trusts. But I, I'm not a I'm not of the belief that it's a game changer. All right, Patrick. Will you enjoy the draft tonight? Like all of us guys will. We'll be thinking about you and look forward to talk to you next week. All right, thanks. All right, buddy. Patrick McGee, everybody from the Biloxi Sun Herald on Draft Day 2020. It's pretty exciting. We'll be right back. The great Derek Nix on the Eagle Hour next. To the top. Hey, welcome back to the Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us around the state this afternoon, wherever you're listening or perhaps online. Uh, 
get a lot of correspondence from people in other parts of the country that can now hear us online and hear the podcast, and we're grateful to them for that. I want to thank Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun-Herald for joining us in the first segment. This segment sponsored by CampusBookmark.net. The store is closed due to COVID-19, but the website is open, and they're manning it seven days a week. So if you want to buy some Southern Miss swag, something for your home, for your automobile, or for yourself, you can go to CampusBookmart.net. Uh, You can browse their inventory online, and they will deliver your merchandise right to your front door. All right, we're really glad to have our next guest. He doesn't need any introduction to Southern Miss fans around the world. If you, uh, I don't know, I think that if you, if if someone were to ask me who are the three greatest running backs in Southern Miss history, it would be a pretty easy answer. It would be Derek Nix, Sammy Winder, and Edo Smith. Derek Nix has been at Ole Miss now for 13 years as an assistant coach there. And uh, uh, first of all, Derek, thanks for coming on the show. And do you mind being put in the same uh, company with Sammy Winder and Edo Smith? Uh, not at all. I, I feel very honored and blessed. I, I would say, now, don't forget about Tony Smith. And well, don't yeah. forget about Damian Fletcher. Well, no, you can't. You know, it's right. really kind of hard. And it, it's kind of hard, isn't it, Derek? To, it, re- it really is. A lot of uh, a lot of talented individuals come through that school, and especially the position of running back. And just to be mentioned with some of those guys, especially those guys like Sam and Edo that are playing on Sundays and, you know, had a long career with Sam, of course, with the Broncos. And Edo, you know, having a great career right now with the Falcons. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, just an honor. Were you at all surprised, uh, and we'll get to the subject matter here real quickly, are you surprised at how successful Edo Smith has been in the NFL, Eric? Not at all. And, you know, I got a, a chance to really, you know, see his career sort of miss from afar, being here at Ole Miss. Sometimes you would see him on tape, uh, cross-reference some of the guys we're playing, and the guy is versatile. I mean, he could, you know, of course, take the handoffs, but catch the ball out of the backfield, and, you know, you get him out in space and one-on-ones, he was really hard to tackle, and it didn't surprise me at all. He just, you know, it's just like anything else. He just needed the opportunity to be able to show what he can do and and the talent take care of the rest. Yeah, no question. Well, I know you've been through a lot in your career as a player and a coach. You've seen a lot of things. Thirteen years uh, in one one job at Ole Miss. You and I were were talking before we went on the air. That's that's really unusual, is it not, to be in one place that long? Speaks to you uh, uh, the quality of coaching you do that all these head coaches want you to stay. Well, I tell you what, in this business, I think I think you're right. Uh, so much turnover in, in college football nowadays, and uh, I just feel fortunate, blessed to uh, to be the place as long and, and getting ready to go with Coach Kiffin and being my fourth head coach here and learn a lot from every one of them. But uh, well, like you said, just not having to pick up my family and move around and uh, kind of establish a roof somewhere, and uh, it's just really good and neat to, to be able to do that. All right, I think Luke Johnson has caught up with us. Luke, are you on board now? I am. Dnex. Right. it is good to talk to the baby bull. Uh, Luke, man, great to hear from you as well, big man. I, uh, I I just struggle sometimes still seeing you in that red and blue up there, but uh, we'll get over it. Um, <laughs> well, the, you're running well, back. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying the good thing is we don't have to play each other, so, I, you know, it, it makes it look easier. <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
I knew Derek, uh, Bob, I knew him as a, a teammate, obviously, a great leader and mentor for all of us. But then he was in charge of the punt team when he was a GA when I was, uh, when I was a sophomore. So he would yell at me a lot in the sideline because I'd be late to the, to the bunker. Uh, but, but D-Nix, we're, um, we're, we're talking about Scotty Phillips and uh, you talk about a kid in red and blue. He was, uh, he was from South Jones High School. Uh, great career at Jones College. You've been coaching him uh, the last two years. And I think Scotty's one of those kids. He could, he could, um, a slip a little bit and then somebody could grab a hold of him and not realize how much talent they have with him. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, you know, Scotty for the last few years has, uh, been, uh, phenomenal, you know, when he's been healthy and, uh, been our really our bell cow tailback. Uh, you know, he burst onto the scene that first season here and, would have been a thousand-yard rusher, but sprained his ankle and basically missed. He made a miss the last three games. Uh, but I think he has a lot to bring to that level. He's a guy that can pass protect. He can run between tackles. He can make you miss. And he has a good enough burst to, to go to distance and make some plays. And, you know, um, he had a really good showing in the, uh, at the NFL Combine, uh, you know, with his 40 time. And I think he had the most reps for running back at uh, with the bench press for 225. Um, I, I look for him to, to have a solid career. You know, I don't know exactly where he'll go. I know within these next three days he'll get picked by somebody. And um, after that, it's about being in the right fit, the right system. And you know, those two, like I know, it's all about timing and getting the right opportunity. It really, it really is. And, and over the last several years, you guys have had some really, really good draft picks. You look at the, especially with the wide receivers and, and there's other guys, uh, in all different positions. What has been kind of your message to your guys, particularly Scotty here? You know, going into an NFL draft, what to expect and, and how do you uh, mentor and coach them up on that angle? Well, you know, all I've done is, you know, try to tell them to rely on the thing that's got him to this point. And uh, number one is just God-given ability. God has given a lot of talent to work with and, you know, and you know, remaining humble and uh, continue to work on his craft. You know, continue to work on the things that you may not be great at and, and look to improve those all the time that you can become a complete running back. Uh, and then let the process take care of itself. Because this is one of those things in life we all have that's out of your control. You know, you can work as hard as you can go and only do what you can do at the end of the day. And now it comes down to what team really likes me and, you know, where do they want to pick me up. Hey, Derek, I want to go back uh, to your career, uh, well-documented, you know, everything that, that occurred to you in your career. But when you think back on those days, uh, what are the best memories that come to your mind, Derek? You know, before I say it, you know, the, the thing that always haunts me is that you know, all the plays on situations that I didn't get done, for whatever reason, those are the things that stick out in my mind the most. But uh, a lot of great memories, you know, the 99 season when we won the conference championship, you know, playing with all those guys, Todd Pinkston, T.J. Slaughter, Sharon Gideon, Adelius Thomas. I mean, that was a great group to be around and a great season for us. Um, and then, of course, you always remember your senior season. And, uh, you know, going out, we uh, – didn't finish it the way we wanted to, but we ended up going to a pretty good bowl, going out to, uh, I think we went to the, the Houston Bowl, I think that, at the time is what it was called, and played Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. And did some good things there, and uh, just bonded with all the guys, you know, on and off the field, and, you know, just having pride in university. And, you know, we were always, you know, always been one of those programs that uh, always fought for our respect, and you know, having the chance to play Illinois on our on our home field and 
beating the big, the former Big Ten champions. Uh, those are kind of the things that kind of stick out in my mind. Now you talk about that '99 team, man. Just those names that you threw out there. <laughs> there was a lot of NFL talent on that football team, yeah. There really was. I mean, you get, you mean, you could be in practice. I can remember seeing this mentally, man. going in all the camp, man. I was the best defense. I was going to go against all year long going against those guys. And uh, if I could make a play or two against them, I should be able to go do that on Saturday. Right. We had Reggie Collier. We asked him one time on this show what was the hardest lick he ever took in, you know, playing college football. And he said, uh, from my own teammates in practice. You were, I, I think so. I think it happened to me, too. I think uh, Darius Thomas, uh, might have been my first year there. I'm catching the string pass out the flat, and I get blindsided by him. And, uh, you know, I think my jaw is still loose from that to, to this day. So uh, <laughs> I think that, that may have been the hardest hit I had while I was there. He was pretty good, wasn't he? I, I think I think so. I think I think that Davis did all right. <laughs> he could play just a little bit, right, Luke? Oh yeah, and and you think about all those guys. I mean, you just being in the backfield looking across and TJ staring at you with his striking blue eyes, grunting over there. I mean, just every <laughs> aspect of physicality was was mesmerizing that defensive line and that linebacker. And oh, by the way, we had some really stud defensive backs too. No doubt about it. You know, uh, the guys top of my mind, Chad Williams, you know, Raymond Walls, I mean, those guys were tremendous and they could run, they could get, man, they get there in a bad room. So we, it was, it was really fun to play with those guys. No question. Those, those were great times. Hey, we've got just about 45 seconds left. We, we, we can't have you on the show without asking you about your brother, Tyrone. How's he doing? Doing really well. You know, he's, um, he's a defensive coordinator now at UT San Antonio and, uh, since this pandemic is hit, I probably get to see him once a day. He'll come up. He's back in Mississippi, and uh, he'll come up the street walking, trying to get some exercise in. So uh, I guess you get to see him uh, once in a while now while we're on this pandemic. But doing really well, and it was fun to coach with him uh, last season here at Ole Miss. No question. Well, look, man, it's always fun talking to you. You, you clearly are, are one of the great all-times uh, at Southern Miss, and uh, we're, we're so happy to see you have such great success in your in your coaching career, Derek, and uh, we thank you for everything you've done here, and we thank you as always for coming on the Eagle Hour. Always a great privilege to have you on the show. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. All right. Derek Nix, everybody. Thanks, one of the great Southern Miss players of all time, and now his 13th year as an assistant coach at Ole Miss. All right. Eagle Hour continues. Luke's back with me. Uh, we'll have Kelly on the show a little later, hoping to hear from Gerald Wade from over in Jones County next. To the, top. to the top, you're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Back on a Thursday, third segment of the Eagle Hour brought to us every day by 4th Street, located just beyond the shadow of the rock, the campus of 
Southern Miss, Slade White, and our great friends over there, home of the 895 lunch. You get a free drink with that, too, and you can take advantage of their curbside assistance right now. 4th Street, located on 4th Street in Hattiesburg. Bob and Luke from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and beautiful downtown Laurel. Appreciate Derek Nix, the baby bull himself, for joining us in that last uh, segment. Uh, Privileged now to go to our phone lines and talk to Gerald Wade. Um, he was my high school soccer coach at, at West Jones. And uh, just talking more about um, these crazy, uh, this crazy weather that's been going on. I've been out, Bob, and, and Sharon community. We'll talk more about that in the fourth segment, just how we had another tornado here. But last week uh gerald's uh, family his 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 parents house was affected and gerald i guess just kind of tell us what happened on the kitchen counter there in the matthews community in jones county yeah thanks luke it's it's really strange uh as i finally made it to my parents house and their house was completely destroyed the roof was completely torn off with the exception of one little place where they actually were riding out the storm uh the kitchen with no roof the cabinet doors were sucked off. The refrigerator was sucked out of the cabinets, all of the food out of the refrigerator. But sitting on their kitchen island was a cake platter with a pound cake, uh, undisturbed, hasn't been moved, just sitting there just like waiting on the family to gather around the table to take a slice of it. So it's just a it's So it was in thing. the same room as the refrigerator and everything? It was two feet away from the refrigerator. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's, it's, Un- it's crazy. unbelievable. Right, right. I've uh, I've been up and down your parents' road, and uh, and you know one of the things interesting about your father, he has spent. Uh, I've I've known him quite a while. He has spent you know a, a lot of his life uh, helping with with some of these disaster reliefs. I've seen him with a saw. I've seen him tarping roofs and stuff. How has it been for him? How really the world has come to him in the last week and a half. You know, that's probably been one of the more difficult things for him to deal with. He's been dealing with disaster relief for the better part of the last 15 years. Uh, it's kind of turned into a, a hobby slash ministry for him, and he's been all over the country, uh, even been to some foreign countries doing that. Uh, and then to be in a situation where he's having to rely on those same types of people to come and help him uh, has been difficult for him. Uh, but he's... He's had to adjust, and he's had to learn just to let other people help out because he can't do it all And uh, with, the, with the amount of destruction and devastation that they had. But, uh, but he has adjusted, and, and thankfully we've had people come from, from all over and uh, have really helped out. And uh, We've seen a tremendous outpouring of support from people throughout the community as well as strangers that we didn't know that came from, from far and wide. So, Mr. Wade, you work in the public school system, I believe, in Perry County. Uh, this year has just been so odd. Uh, in your career, I'm sure you've never seen anything like it, uh, like the rest of us. But try to put in perspective how disruptive this is for kids, and, and particularly, I think, for, for senior kids uh, to miss this part of, of what's the most memorable school year they'll ever have. It has been difficult. I know uh, with those uh, students that are you know, transitioning, the seniors that are graduating, there are lots of lots of the events, uh, prom and, and maybe even graduation ceremonies and things that they will not be able to participate in that uh, you know every year uh, every other senior gets to. Um, I, I will say I'm one of those that kind of looks at the silver lining in things. Uh, while we would love to have our kids 
in school every day, he would continue to teach them, continue to push them forward. Not having to deal with all this testing that we have to do uh, is a blessing in disguise. Uh, you know, most schools around the state have pretty much taught all of the content that they need to teach. And usually that fourth line links is used as review, getting ready for all these state tests that they have to do. Mm-hmm. So not having to do that uh, has taken quite the, the burden off of, of teachers. And now that we have to do distance learning and online learning and maybe even paper packets, it gives teachers some flexibility to do some of those more creative and more exciting things to try to keep kids motivated to learn. Uh, so not having to deal with testing and not having to deal so much with grades is sort of the blessing in disguise, the silver lining in what, we are, what we're having to deal with. But so are teachers on a daily basis reaching out to their students uh, via social media and you know all, all the different technologies that we have now? How, how much has that helped? Yeah, and of course, that, the, the exact plans would vary district to district. I know with, with my teachers, I've asked them to make contact with students every day. Now, they may not contact every student every day, but to make contact in some way. Of course, we have some tools and technology that helps us do that uh, you know, fairly easily. Uh, but they're monitoring things online. They're giving feedback. They're, they're doing online classes, online conference calls uh, with our students. Uh, so that's helping out quite a bit. So. Teachers are having to learn some new tools. Kids are learning some new tools. And, and those that are participating, those kids and parents that are actually taking advantage of that, seem to be enjoying that. Mm-hmm. And they're learning, still learning a lot uh, in a much more relaxed, much more comfortable uh, way. So when you look ahead as an administrator in the Mississippi public school system, <clears throat> I'm going to ask you the question we've been weighing back and forth on this show now for three weeks. Your best guess, is there going to be a football season in 2020? And that is hard to uh, that's hard to say at this point. Uh, I, I know that football coaches are they're making their preparations for summer workouts. Uh, they don't want to be caught off guard and all of a sudden be able to bring kids in and start doing things. So they're making their preparations uh, moving forward. I, I, I would I would say that yes, we're probably going to play. Now that is simply out of my my own thoughts and my own head uh, of where I see things going. It's just hard to imagine a Friday night in South Mississippi, not having football being played. So uh, I believe we may have some kind of uh, some kind of season. It may be a shortened season. It may be uh, things may be a little bit different as far as fans in the stands kind of thing. But uh, I don't see how we can yeah. even survive. We can survive tornadoes and we can survive uh, viruses, but I don't see how we can survive without Friday night football in Mississippi. Uh, I've got one more question, then I'll turn it back over to Luke. Now, you know, Luke has become a celebrity since you knew him back in back in school. Uh, and we've heard a lot about Luke being a soccer player, but tell us what kind of a soccer player was Luke Johnson? Luke Johnson was a bulldozer. Uh, when, I, when I coached him, uh, I, my philosophy with Luke was, Luke, either the ball can get by you or the man can get by you, but don't let the ball and the man get by you. And he took that to heart. And uh, Luke, uh, he, would, he would just roll over people if that, if that came to it. Uh, and I think he enjoyed doing that quite a bit. Really? Gentle, sweet Luke. You just enjoyed That's leveling right. people on the soccer field. Is that what you're saying, Coach? That's uh, that's what I'm saying. Yes, right. <laughs> I, I keep warning you, keep warning you and Kelly, Bob. I just keep warning you. There's a, there's a giant in here somewhere. Gerald, you you talked about the silver lining um, and go, going back to the storm. A couple more questions about that. You know, 
what has been, if there's any, I mean, and I, and I say that, I've, I've been out there every day, uh, came by your parents' house, you know, you've seen the amount of people that have responded, but at the same time, your parents, you know, they, they just lost their house. You and I were, were looking out at the shop that he was just uh, finished to com- completing, uh, you know, co- completing, he had been building it, working hard on it. Has if has there been any type of silver lining in this, and I, I mean that in a very serious way, and, and that you could just share with our listeners out there who are going through so much right now? I, I think so, Luke. You know, anytime you lose uh, forty-two years of your life that you built in one single place, you, you can't help but stand back and just wonder why all this happened. Uh, of course, the picture with the pound cake has made its rounds uh, seemingly all over the world. We've had Lots of conversations from from total strangers that have actually seen the picture. Uh, that has helped my parents to get through that. Uh, one of the things that we picked up from that is that you know, regardless of how how much the storms of life come, God's always there and got His hands on things. And even something as simple as a pound cake sitting on a counter in the middle of a tornado can bring some sense of calmness, some sense of relief and some sense of, of understanding that the presence of God is there in the midst of the storms of life. So they've taken that, and, uh, and they understand that you know, for whatever reason things happen, and they're going to uh, move forward. And like my dad said earlier today, he said, I'm just going to look where God's, where God's moving, and I'm going in that direction. So uh, that's what they have taken from that. That's great words, and if anybody were, were to be out there in the Matthews community and would see your parents' house, they would know, obviously, that, that God protected them during that storm. Most important question we may ask you, and I say that tongue-in-cheek, uh, who, who ate the pound cake, or where is its location right now? Well, the pound cake had sat out uh, all night long. The next day, it was, uh, it was soaked, it was waterlogged. Of course, the rain came through without a roof, and, and uh, it was waterlogged. Uh, I just understood that since God had his hand on that pound cake and he sent all this holy water to douse it, I had to try a, a small piece. Uh, so I did I did eat a small piece of the cake. Uh, after that, no one else wanted to try it, so it's, uh, it has been disposed of at this time. <laughs> it's good stuff. Good stuff. Gerald, thanks for joining us, man, and uh, you know, just convey to your parents, uh, we're, we're in it for the long haul for uh, that entire Matthews community and Appreciate everything you're doing. Thanks for coming on the Eagle Hour today. Thank you, and thanks for what you do, Luke. It's Gerald Wade, my former high school soccer coach, Bob Getty. Yes, you better watch out because there's Uh, a bulldozer inside. A a newfound respect and fear of you, my friend, no doubt. Speaking of bulldozers, Kelly Sanders next. Southern Miss to the top. The Pound Cake House in the Matthews community in Jones County. If you haven't Googled a picture of it, look it up. Home of Robert Wade. Pretty amazing. So thankful um, they are uh, okay. Uh, For sure, appreciate Gerald Wade joining us. Fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you every day by Toyota of Hattiesburg, located on Highway 98. In Hattiesburg, Mississippi, if you're thinking about getting a new car, 
Toyota's a really, really good one. Forerunner, Camry, great models out there from Toyota and Toyota Hattiesburg can help you with all of that. Luke and Bob from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and downtown Laurel. Bob, it was a wild one again this morning. You got uh, a, a beep, a siren uh, about 4 o'clock. I got one a little after that. And I found myself uh, about 6.45 getting in uh, the truck. And I, I'd been I emptied my truck out yesterday, I, I, late yesterday afternoon. Everything has been in my truck for really the last uh, 10 days. I put it in a trailer in, at SoSo. Thought we were finished with this. Talked to a few guys. We were thinning out our jobs. And then what do you know? Um, in, in the community of Sharon, which is in northern Jones County, um, it's kind of on the Jasper County line, and and uh, tornado came through there this morning. Um, helped cut a buddy out, and uh, just been staging out of First Baptist Sharon. So all of our volunteers that have been working so hard in So-So, Hebron, and Matthews, uh, now we've shifted over um, over to Sharon. Now, I do want to talk about uh, this for just a second. Uh, there's a lot of trees down in Sharon right now. They asked me to put out the word uh, for equipment, and what I mean by that is maybe a bobcat, uh, a skidder, uh, a front-end loader, a, a tractor, way a, a tractor, a tractor with a grapple. Uh, we, we need to. We have people cutting up. If you got some chainsaws, come in there. We got people cutting up trees. We just need to move all this debris. Let me give you a number to call. If you want to come volunteer, please call this number. I'm staging with the Jones County Baptist, and we're operating on the campus of First Baptist Sharon. Call this number six zero one. Five seven seven zero six eight zero five seven seven zero six eight zero. Let um, our uh, coordinators there know what kind of equipment you have, when you can come, so that they can uh, put you to use. Uh, Bob, it's just it's just wild, man. So many uh, three and what? No, and a little over a week. Days? A little, just a little over a week. Nothing quite as disconcerting as being jolted out of a sound sleep at four o'clock in the morning with a tornado warning on your phone. Uh, but that's that's where we're living right now. It's just very very odd, and uh, you know. Then I heard him say last night, Luke, that uh, next month hurricane season starts. So it's just it's just one go. party after another. And hey, look, we couldn't find Kelly Sander. You know, the Bengals are uh, drafting the first draft choice tonight, and you know Kelly's probably got that tinfoil suit out that he wore at that awards banquet earlier <laughs> this year, and uh, he's probably pressing it and getting ready tonight to uh, be in his suit and. Uh, you know, celebrate as Cincinnati gets the number one draft choice. We we think they're going to have the number one draft choice. Uh, coming across the wire, ESPN uh, earlier this morning. You know, the Dolphins have three first round picks. Count them three. They got number five, number eighteen, and number twenty six. Miami has again reached back out to the Bengals, and the Bengals are shooting trade offers down. But Miami has tried multiple times to trade. Uh, for for number one, who knows what happens at the last second if they try to throw the house? Uh, but if you're looking at the draft order tonight, here's the the top ten: Cincinnati at one, your Redskins at two, Detroit at three, the New York Giants at four, Miami at five, the Los Angeles Chargers at six, Carolina at seven, Arizona at eight, Jacksonville nine, Cleveland at ten, New Orleans way on down the list at. Um, 24. I, I just think it's, I don't, I think Cincinnati is sold on Joe Burrow. And I heard you and, and Patrick talking on the way in. I just really feel like, uh, they're sold. And so what that means is, Bob, your Redskins are going to have a freak 
a freak at, at defensive end. Chase Young, he will be extraordinary. And what is it, the garnet and gold? Did I get that right? Burgundy and gold, my friend. The burgundy and gold. Burgundy, uh, sorry. Uh, yeah, and, you know, they, they have a, a pretty good collection of defensive linemen already, so he, he really fits in there. And uh, I, I did hear some people yesterday on the NFL channel, and I, don't, I can't say that I know enough about this kid to say if I would agree with this or not, but they indicated that they would not – if Miami were to offer them their first three, you know, their three first round draft choices for that slot to grab the kid, that they would not take it. That that he's that good. Wow. So we'll have to see, you know. But boy, he 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 comes with a lot of press clippings. There's no question about that. So Burrow's probably going to go at one, Young at two, a couple three, four, five. Akuda is a cornerback from Ohio State. Isaiah Simmons, outside linebacker from uh, Clemson. Alabama's got a few. Uh, players, of course, Tua there, uh, Jerry Judy, who the, we watched uh, catch some footballs against our defense last year, Derek Brown, the huge defensive tackle, 6'4", 326 from Auburn. But probably three quarterbacks. Uh, the quarterback from Oregon will probably go. and So, yeah, it should be a, a fun night. Um, Todd McShay not going to be on the set tonight, or you won't see him. He's, he's actually recovering from COVID. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be a little interesting, but I, I do think, Bob, that the ratings will literally be absolutely unbelievable tonight because we have sports on a Thursday night. Right, that we don't know how it's going to end when we start watching it. So, yeah, uh, I'm equally as excited. be lots to talk about tomorrow, too. Of course, uh, NFL Draft kicks off tonight at 7 o'clock our time, and personally speaking, I can't wait. We'll be glad to come back tomorrow and talk more about the draft and Southern Miss, of course, and we thank you as we do every day, and we sincerely thank you for listening to the Eagle Hour. Until tomorrow, Southern Miss. To the top. Into the future. Talk Mississippi Media Production.